Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. Hope you're having a great weekend and good to be together again. Big warm welcome from our side as well to all our first-time visitors. If you're here today for baby dedication, great to have you with us. Or if you're visiting for any other reason, great to have you here too. And uh, as always, uh, a big warm welcome to friends and family all around the city and the nation and the world joining us right now online. Put our hands together and let's give them a big warm welcome. Always glad to have you with us and part of the conversation. We so wish you could be in the room, but uh, you're never far from our thoughts. So uh, good to have you with us today. And if you are today uh, here for the first time, we are in part two of this little series called Those People, right? We're talking about those people, and you know the people I'm talking about, the people who annoy you, the people who irritate you in the traffic, the people who get under your skin, the people who make you say and do things you wish you hadn't said and done, right? Those people. This series is all about how to deal with those people. And, and not only how to deal with those people, but perhaps more importantly, how to come to love those people. And so I reckon this is going to be, without doubt, one of the most uh, helpful conversations that we have all year. Now, to kick off this morning, we're going to do a little game together. And uh, I want to encourage you to all play along because it only really works if you all participate. So I hope you're ready and willing to lean in and to get involved. And it's fairly straightforward. Uh, How it works is this. I'm going to put out a series of statements, and I want you to indicate whether you agree or disagree with a statement by raising your hand. So if you agree with a statement, I want you to raise your right hand uh, open like this. And if you disagree with a statement, raise your left hand closed like that. All right? Fairly straightforward. Pretty easy. Right hand open for agree. Left hand closed for disagree. All right, you ready to go? We're going to do a couple of uh, easy, simple, straightforward examples just to get you warmed up, okay? So here we go. Statement number one, agree or disagree, Pastor Daniel is the best-looking bald pastor in Perth. Agree or disagree? All right, I want to see lots of open hands all across the auditorium. That's it. Pastor D, you are deeply loved. Apologies to Ken Lee, Joel Talia, Dan Sheik, and any other bald pastors. You don't cut it, man. We got the best one. All right, let's try another one. Simple, easy, straightforward. The Fremantle Dockers are a far superior team to the West Coast Eagles. Oh, that's pretty easy. All right. Disagree. Disagree. What are you doing? What are you doing with an open hand? Two open hands. No, you're mad. This is not even an opinion. This is not a subjective thing. It's a fact. The Eagles are way better than the Dockers, all right? We all know that to be true. All right, so you get the idea. All right, here we go. Let's, let's dial it up a little on the intensity. And let's try this statement. Statement number three, this is a moral statement. Agree or disagree? It is sometimes permissible to tell a lie, even if it's a big one. Mm, Do you agree or disagree? I'm going to go, I agree with that. (laughs) Sometimes it's possible. All right. Michael's like, no way. You should never lie. Ever, ever, even if it's a big one or a small one. All right. I'm going to say, all right. No right answers, no wrong answers. Right. Just opinions. Okay. No judgment. All right. Okay, statement number four, um, agree or disagree, if you don't give money to the church, God won't bless you, all right, <laughs> all right, what do you reckon, agree or disagree, where's Mary right now, Mary, our financial manager, <laughs> agree or disagree, all right, that's good, we got lots of agreement on that one around the room, all right, in the sense that we all agree that we disagree, I'm not sure if Pastor D will be glad about that, but anyway, <laughs> I know you're all generous people, okay, how about this one, Let, let's dial up the... Uh, Let's dial up the discomfort level a little, all right? Here's a political statement. 
The Labour Party is the best political party to lead Western Australia into our future. Agree or disagree? Well, well come on, you've got to have the courage of your convictions. I'm going to go, I agree with that statement, all right? Now, I'm, I'm not telling you how to vote, and I'm not even telling you how I voted. All I'm saying is, yeah, I think I agree with that statement for now. Come on, I didn't see a lot of hands go up there. What do you reckon? Come on, what do you reckon? Agree or disagree? You're too nervous to say it. Did you feel the discomfort level? Go up in the room around that one. All right, let's try another tricky one. This is a bit of a theological statement. Agree or disagree? Wives should always submit to their husbands even when they know the husbands are wrong. <laughs> some of you, those left arms went up pretty quickly, all right? I can see some uncomfortable husbands looking at their wives, some uncomfortable wives looking at their husbands. <laughs> yeah, we got a hand and a fist, all right? Going to be an interesting conversation in the car on the way home. All right, very good, okay. Um, all right, this one, I, I don't even have the courage to read this out. I'm just going to put it up on screen and let you read it for yourself, and then you decide and show me whether you agree or disagree. All right, this up on screen. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to come out right and say it. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. All right, I reckon I agree with the statement. What do you reckon? Agree or disagree? Let me see him. Hands up. Agree or disagree? Come on. You've got to have the courage of your conviction. Agree or disagree? All right. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly in mandatory vacations for all people. Okay, and booster vacations every four months. I'm for holidays for everyone. How many, how many of you read that too quickly? And you read vaccinations. Give me a wave if you read vaccinations. Yeah, right, come on. How many times do you do that on Facebook? Read something, read it too quickly, jump to conclusions, make assumptions, judge people, right? Some of you judged me too quickly there because you read too quickly. All right, well, how about this one? Final statement, number eight. Agree or disagree? Asking these questions in church was a bad idea. <laughs> agree or disagree? I think it was a great idea. All right? Now, hey, the point is simply this. We are so different. Like, we are so different in so many ways. We, we were born in different countries, and we were raised in different families, and we come from different cultures, and we speak different languages, and we have different theologies, and we have different ideas about reality and about how the world is, and we have different personal preferences when it comes to things like politics and music. Like, we are so different in so many ways, even though we are one family, we have one Lord, one Savior, one Spirit, one mission, one purpose, we are so different, and that difference is a good thing. We are supposed to celebrate and appreciate that diversity because diversity makes life and relationship and community just all the more richer and more enjoyable. But of course, the challenge with all that diversity is that difference inevitably leads to disagreement. And the deeper our differences, the more likely and more frequently we will disagree. Now, disagreement is not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes we frame disagreement in a negative light, but, but there is a kind of disagreement that is healthy and helpful. The kind of ideological disagreement where we, we challenge one another's paradigms and, and thinking is actually essential for progress and success. The, the kind of uh, disagreement that generates creativity and discovery and innovation. I, I love this uh, statement from Keith Richards, who was the lead guitarist for the famous rock band, The Rolling Stones. He said this, the only thing that Mick Jagger, the lead singer, and I disagree about is the band, the music, and what we do. <laughs> In other words, everything. We disagree about everything. And yet that disagreement fueled some of the greatest creativity, musically speaking, and some of the ultimate success um, that any band could potentially achieve in our generation, right? So, so disagreement 
is inevitable in a relationship, but it doesn't have to be terminal to the relationship. In other words, you don't have to see eye to eye in order to walk hand in hand. Uh, it's true that agreement is a good thing, and when you have agreement in a relationship, it's a really powerful thing, but agreement is not a prerequisite for a relationship. You can have meaningful relationship with people that you disagree with, but very often it is those that we disagree with who get under our skin. It's the people we disagree with who annoy us and irritate us and drive us to say and do things that are not particularly very Christian. So the question that we want to ask today is, how do we deal with disagreement? Uh, last week, Pastor D brought a brilliant message on how to deal with offense. If you missed it, you can catch it on YouTube. But today we're talking about how to deal with disagreement. How do we make sure that our disagreement doesn't become destructive and divisive and distracting? And to answer that question today, I want to turn to the book of Acts in the Bible's New Testament, uh, the book of Acts chapter 15. Because in Acts chapter 15, we have a very good example of disagreement done really well and disagreement done really badly. And there are some valuable lessons that I think God would want us to learn from this. Now, before we read Acts chapter 15 together, let me just give you some background and a bit of context. Otherwise, the passage isn't going to make a whole lot of sense. Uh, the book of Acts is a history book. Uh, it's a history of the early church, the first century believers in Jesus. Uh, it's not a comprehensive history. It's not an exhaustive history. It's more like a highlight reel of some of the most significant and important happenings in the life of the early church. But it gives us a very helpful insight into how these first followers of Jesus lived. Now, one of the things you need to be aware of is that in the first century, there was no Christianity as it exists today, as in a religion distinct from Judaism. Uh, Jesus was not a Christian. Jesus was a Jew. And most of his first followers were Jewish. And for at least the first three or four decades of this Jesus movement, following Jesus was a Jewish thing. And the assumption was that if you were going to follow Jesus, you had to become a Jew. So if you were a Gentile, if you came from a pagan nation and you wanted to follow Jesus, then you had to be circumcised and you had to observe the Mosaic law and you had to uh, travel to Jerusalem and observe the feasts and festivals of Israel. And that was the case until a man by the name of Paul the Apostle came along who ended up writing 70% of our New Testament. And he came along with what he called his gospel of Gentile inclusion. And Paul came and said, no, listen, based on what I understand of the Old Testament scriptures and what God has revealed to me through Jesus himself, he says, I've come to understand that to be right with God, all we need are faith and grace for any human being. Jew or Gentile, to be in right relationship with God, all they need to do is put their trust in Jesus, put their confidence in Jesus, submitted, surrender to His Lordship, and they are right with God. They don't need to become Jewish. They don't need to observe the Mosaic law. They don't have to be circumcised if they're male. They don't have to travel to Jerusalem on some kind of pilgrimage. They don't have to keep the feasts and festivals. All they need is faith and grace. That's how we are saved. That's how we are right with God. And of course, this was incredibly controversial. And quite confusing. And so eventually it came to a head. And uh, one day Paul and his ministry partner Barnabas decided to go up to Jerusalem to meet with Peter, James, John, and the other elders and leaders of the early church. And so with that as a background, we pick it up in Acts chapter 15. And we're going to read select passages from verse 1 to 29. And this is what it says. While Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch in Syria... 
Some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you are circumcised, as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve the issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them. Then everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miracles or the miraculous signs that God had done through them among the Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood and spoke. And in the end, James sums up this deliberation and this consultation with the following conclusion. He says, all right, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. Off you go. <laughs> all right. So Paul and Barnabas travel up to Jerusalem, and they engage in this conference of, of uh, discussion around this issue with the Jerusalem church leadership. And there were hours and hours of conversation and debate and dialogue and discussion and consultation. And in the end, they arrive at a conclusion. And the conclusion is, James says, all right, we accept that Gentiles do not need to become Jews in order to follow Jesus. They don't need to be circumcised. They don't need to follow the law. They don't need to go to Jerusalem. They don't need to keep the feasts and festivals. They just need to do these three or four things, right? And he lists them. And we'll say more about them in a moment. And that's the end of the matter, right? Crisis averted, issue resolved. Paul and Barnabas leave, and they leave happy with the outcome. Now, astonishingly, as brilliant as Paul and Barnabas were in addressing that disagreement with the Jerusalem leadership, they suddenly find themselves confronted with another disagreement, only this time the disagreement has come into their relationship, into their friendship. And so further down in Acts chapter 15, in verse 38 to 40, it says, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed, so far so good. But he wanted to take along John Mark. Paul, however, disagreed strongly. Since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia, uh, this, this young guy, John Mark, was a traveling companion and ministry associate of Paul and Barnabas who had accompanied them on the first missionary journey. And evidently halfway through, he got cold feet, so he decided to bail, and he went back home, and Paul took offense. And so now when they're about to set out on their second missionary journey, Barnabas says, hey, let's give John Marcus another chance. And Paul says, no way, Jose. Like he dropped us once, we're not going to let him drop us again. And this becomes a point of contention between Paul and Barnabas. So it goes on to say, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas. And as he left, the believers entrusted, to him, uh, or entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. And you know what, friends, the tragedy is here. That in the New Testament, there is no evidence at all that Paul and Barnabas reconciled. They may have. I hope they did. 
But there's no indication to us in the New Testament that they did. These two men who had been such close friends and such close ministry companions for so long had their friendship derailed and dismantled by a sharp disagreement that caused them to separate. I don't know about you, but I find that a tragedy. And the point is simply this, that sometimes disagreement can help our relationships, and sometimes disagreement can hurt our relationships. And whichever is the case depends on how we respond to that disagreement. So the question we're asking today is how do we ensure that the disagreements that arise in our lives and in our relationships aren't destructive and divisive and distracting? How do we ensure that those disagreements actually become helpful to the relationships and to the people that we are endeavoring to lead and influence and relate to? And there are a couple of things right here in Acts chapter 15 that I reckon are incredibly helpful guidelines for us, and I want to share them with you. All right, so the first is this. If we're going to prevent disagreement from becoming destructive, divisive, and distracting, we have to commit to communicating, right? Number one, communicate. And by that, I mean seek to understand. I'm talking here about the value of relational curiosity. Communicate. Seek to understand. Practice the value of relational curiosity. See, at the Jerusalem Council, what we see is lots of communication, lots of discussion, lots of consultation and conversation, debate and dialogue. But amidst all of that, we see something else that is super important, and that is a sincere desire to hear and understand the other. I was particularly struck by this statement in Acts chapter 15, verse 12, where it says, everyone listened quietly as Paul and Barnabas spoke. How many of you know there's not a whole lot of that going on in our world today, is there? We live in the age of outrage. We live in the age of opinion, where everybody is most concerned about saying what they want to say and getting their opinion out there. And of course, these days, everyone has a platform, right? So everyone gets to share their opinion widely and freely. Not everyone is willing to listen. But you see, when we hear that word communication, most of us, our minds automatically gravitate to kind of what I'm doing now, you know, imparting ideas or thoughts or knowledge or opinions to somebody else. That's what we think communication is. But how many of you know communication is as much about understanding as it is about being understood? Communication is as much about listening and seeing as it is about speaking. In fact, if you're going to be a good communicator, you have got to learn to listen with your eyes and your ears. And you've got to learn to do what James encourages us to do, and that is be quick to listen and slow to speak. And so the first thing you need to do when you find yourself in disagreement, whether it's a, with a stranger or with a friend or a work colleague, is you've got to stop and ask yourself, am I willing to listen? Am I willing to practice relational curiosity and sit down with this person and sincerely try to understand? Understand their point of view. Understand their concerns. Hear their fears. Because you will never feel compassion for somebody you are not willing to listen to. You will never feel compassion for someone you are not willing to understand. And all of us have a natural human propensity to want to go into self-defense mode. When you're in disagreement with someone, I'm telling you, this happens to all of us. It happens to me. It happens to you. We want to go into self-justification mode. We want to intellectually arm wrestle that person into submission to our point of view. But you're never going to be able to navigate disagreement well if you do that. 
You've got to resist that human urge, and you've got to ask yourself, am I willing to, to close my mouth and open my ears and just listen and try to understand? You know that right now in our world and, and certainly in our city, there's a major debate raging at the moment around the pandemic and vaccines, and people have different opinions. Even in our faith community, there are people with different ideas and opinions on this. Some people who are for it, some people who are against it. And, and you need to know that as a church, regardless of whether you're for it or against it, uh, we love you, we support you, we're going to do our best to be here for you. Uh, we're not going to shame anybody for their particular stance or for their, their particular perspective. Uh, we're certainly not going to tell you what to do, right? But people have different ideas and different opinions. All I want to encourage you to do is this. Ask yourself the question. Those of you who are pro-vaccine, have you taken the time to sit down with somebody who is anti-vaccine, and have you, have you been willing to listen? Have you been willing to hear their concerns? Have you been willing to listen to their fears and their doubts and their uncertainties? Because you will not feel empathy and compassion until you are willing to listen. And, and of course, the converse is true as well. Those of you who are, um, are anti-vax, have you been willing to just sit down with somebody who is pro-vaccine, not to try and persuade them, not to try and convince them, not to try and change their mind, but to just simply understand their concerns and their fears and, and their arguments, right? Because here's the thing, regardless of what your opinion is, even if your opinion is correct, I guarantee you it's incomplete, your particular view on whatever issue, whether it's vaccines or theology or politics or anything, your particular view may not be incorrect, but I guarantee you it's incomplete. And you can only ever get a fuller picture of any situation or any issue if you're willing to sit down with somebody and get in their shoes and see life from their point of view and understand their perspective and show some relational curiosity. But Everything inside of you is going to want to resist that. Everything inside of you is going to want to defend yourself, argue your position, uh, persuade them to submit to your point of view. And so if you're going to practice this relational curiosity, you've got to resist that urge. And you've got to say, God, by your grace, help me to be a listener and to be a learner so that I can communicate with understanding. All right, so that's number one, communicate. Seek understanding and practice the value of relational curiosity. And then secondly, the second thing that I reckon we can and should do, if we're going to navigate disagreement well, whether it shows up in your marriage or in your church or in your workplace, is negotiate. Negotiate. And by this, I mean seek compromise. This is the value of relational generosity. Negotiate. Seek compromise. Um, what I love about Acts chapter 15 is in verse 28 to 29, it tells us James, the leader of the Jerusalem church, gets up and he sums up the end of their deliberation with these words. He says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us to, no lay, no lay greater, uh, to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. Abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Now, the interesting thing is every one of those things that he lists here are elements of the Mosaic law. So on the one hand, James is saying, all right, Paul, we hear you and we agree with you. Faith and grace is the way to be right with God. Trust in Jesus is the pathway to relationship with God. So Gentiles do not need to become Jews in order to follow Jesus. They don't have to be circumcised and keep the law and travel to Israel and observe the feasts. 
But, James says, we want them to just do these three or four things. And he lists off those things we've just read. Problem is, all of those things are part of the Mosaic law, right? But Paul and Barnabas do not fall into the trap of all or nothing thinking. They say, all right, that's fantastic. Thank you, James. This represents progress, right? We have found some points of agreement. We found a way to move forward. And, and, and so they're willing to proceed because this decision, this outcome represents some kind of progress. You see, in compromise, it's not so much about giving up ground as it is finding common ground. Compromise is not about giving up ground. It's about finding common ground. And whenever you're confronted with a, a disagreement, you are going to have opportunity to first find points of agreement. And I want to encourage you to do that, to, to find out what it is you can agree on first. Because those points of agreement then become the foundation to move forward and make progress. And there's so much you can agree on. You can agree that you don't want this disagreement to destroy your relationship. You can agree that you don't want the disagreement to hurt your family or your kids. Uh, you can agree that uh, you uh, are going to be respectful and supportive towards one another. Uh, you can agree to disagree. You can agree that your commitment to one another will be more powerful than your disagreement with one another. Right? I mean, it's like those of you who are married couples, you'll understand this to be true. Like, you don't agree on everything, right? Husbands and wives. My wife and I do not agree on everything. We disagree on a lot of things. But we made a commitment to each other, and that commitment is more powerful than our disagreement. So if you're going to build relationship purely on the foundation of agreement, you're not going to have a lot of relationships. You've got to learn to build relationship on the foundation of commitment, because commitment trumps disagreement. And so in the context of our marriage, we disagree all the time, but I'm not afraid that I'm going to lose my wife, and she's not afraid that she's going to lose me, because our commitment is greater than our disagreement, right? So you can agree on so many things. And so if we are willing to practice these principles, relational curiosity and relational generosity, seeking to understand before seeking to be understood, and, and finding compromise by looking for points of agreement, uh, negotiating around these disagreements, we're going to be able to make progress in whatever relationships are significant and important to us. And I'll finish with these words of exhortation from Paul in Romans 14, verse 1. Uh, he, he kind of uh, encourages us with, with these words. He says, Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do, and don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. It's kind of somewhat ironic that it's coming from Paul. I'm hoping he learned his lesson and that he reached out to Barnabas and reconciled. But this is what Paul is encouraging us to do, right? Don't, don't insist on your way or the highway. Don't insist on always trying to intellectually arm wrestle people into submission to your point of view. Welcome with open arms people who see the world in different ways to you. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Friends, the reality is, we are and will be different in so many ways. And even though we do have one Lord and one Savior, even though we're one body and one family, even though we received one spirit and we have one purpose in Jesus, we are different. And those differences are going to lead to disagreements. But we can navigate those disagreements with wisdom and courage if we are willing to communicate and negotiate, if we're willing to understand and compromise, if we're willing to practice relational curiosity, and relational generosity. And whether that's in the context of your marriage or your friendships or your workplace 
or life inside our faith family, if each and every one of us make a deep commitment to those biblical principles and practices, I guarantee you, disagreements will come our way, but they will not divide us, they will not distract us, and they will not destroy us. We will come through them on the other side, wiser, stronger, better, and deeper in love with one another. And that will be a good thing. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.com.